either I, I think it's like either payout to shareholders a dividend or I think even more important is for a lot of companies to start looking at rather than paying shareholders all this money is maybe we need to start paying our employees a lot more money so we can attract better employees and we can attract better uh, talent to come to our companies. Hello everyone, welcome back to Tolu's Notes. On this podcast, we'll explore how young adults invest their time and their money. I also have a written newsletter filled with valuable information that you can subscribe to at tolusnotes.com. My guest today is investor and YouTuber Kelechi Iwaba, a fellow Nigerian with a similar background to mine. We discuss everything from how investors can balance social and environmental impact with portfolio returns, his goal for dividend payments, and how he plans to donate 100% of his dividends to charity. I'm especially a big fan of The End, where he discussed getting out of debt with the help of Dave Ramsey, but realizing that he needed to drop Ramsey's teaching if he was to invest successfully. This episode was a lot of fun to record, and I hope you learned a few things from it. All the material discussed in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It should not be taken as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an indication to buy or sell certain securities. My guests and I do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of this information. As always, do your own research. Awesome. Welcome, man. Welcome. Thanks for doing this call. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, Thanks for having me. No, of course. Of course. Um, what made you decide to like show up today? Uh, I was like, I mean, somebody wants to interview me about personal finance is <laughs> always a thing I will talk about. Plus, he's a Nigerian guy. He has a Nigerian name. I'm like, he's Nigerian, so I definitely have to show up for this one. Definitely, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, wait, were you were you born here? Were you born back in Nigeria? I was born in Nigeria. I moved here in 2006. 2006. Oh, man. We're pretty close in the timeline. I moved here around uh, middle school also. Oh, I was okay. born in uh, Enugu State, and then oh, okay. you know, we lived in uh, Ibadan for a while. Oh, cool, cool. I yeah, was born I in Shagamu, and then oh. I moved here. Oh yeah, welcome. So where are you at right now in the States? I'm in Georgia. In Georgia. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm out yeah. here in Cali. So oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> welcome, cool welcome. Here. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, man. Cool. Awesome. So um this format is gonna be a little more interesting. So uh-huh. I did the first episode um with um Jerome. I don't know if you saw he was a millennial money recently. Oh cool. Um but this format is going to be completely different because right. I didn't send you any practice material, like anything to like practice on. And okay. I, you didn't send me anything either. So yeah. this is going to be like more of a conversation. So cool. I'm going to be asking you questions. I want you to like also hit me back. Like if you have any questions and just like, cool. let's just talk about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I think the first thing to be um, that I think would be interesting is like, who are you off screen? Right. Because you have, you do a lot of stuff online right yeah so, offline who, who are you oh, that's a good question i guess offline i am a well i graduated from college i'm an engineer by trade offline um i like soccer i play a lot of soccer well except for right now because covid is kind of <laughs> messing everything up for me um yeah. i ref soccer games when i can and um i do a lot of stuff with my church as well so offline when i'm not doing all this talking about all finances and all that kind of stuff online offline i'm just a dude a regular guy 
who <laughs> likes to play soccer, who loves going to church, and who loves the Lord, and who um, who works, who's an engineer. That's basically what I am offline. Awesome. What, what type of engineering? I'm a mechanical engineer. Mechanical. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, I'm a computer science uh, oh, dope. major also. Makes so. sense that you're in Cali. Makes sense <laughs> there. Makes so you're sense. also, uh, I, I kind of just, I stalked a lot of your content just to like, just <laughs> study everything. So there might be like some weird questions that you're just like, are you asking me that? So just know that. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you're also a big, uh, uh, you, you're in the gym a lot, I noticed. And uh, there was this video you had that actually caught my attention where you said uh, whenever people are trying to work out, they ignore the most important muscles, which are like your legs and your back. Yep. And that's something that I was like, yeah, because for the longest time, I ignored my back just like when I'm working out. So yep. what, what, this is still a finance podcast. So I really want to say like, what has the gym kind of taught you about investing? Uh, it's taught me, I guess, three things. I'll say it's taught me three different things. The first thing that stopped me is consistency is like the best thing. Like when you start anything financially or when you're trying to be focused on your finances is literally doing it over and over and over. Like just having a focus on it and doing it repetitively is like the biggest thing that you can get the most out of. The second thing is to have patience because it's going to take a while to start seeing a lot of the results that you want to see. Um, yeah. For example, if you're paying off debt, it, when you first start paying off that debt, it's like, man, I'm not making any progress. It feels like you're not making any progress, but as you keep doing it and doing it, then you start seeing that progress. And then the third thing that is like, enjoy when you hit some of your goals is like to enjoy the, the hitting of some goals and some targets that you have for yourself. So those are three things that I've really, um, that, that working out has taught me because in the gym, like you said, when you first start out working out, it's like, man, I want to lose weight. And then you start doing it, but like the first month, like for me, the first month I started working out, I was like, man, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of results with this. <laughs> but like as time progressed, then you start seeing, I'm, the other day I was talking to my brother and I was like, yo, my legs are finally coming in. Like it's finally showing <laughs> that I've been working out in my legs. And he was laughing at me, but he works out a lot too. And so awesome. we're just like, but it takes time. And that's with me consistently working out for almost more than two years now. Yeah. And before it was on and off, on and off, on and off. Awesome. And awesome. so just having all of that stuff put together is just some of the lessons that I've learned from working out. All that's the time. great. So, so that, that legs feeling where you just felt like your legs were finally coming on. Yeah. What, what's that feeling for you in, uh, uh, in finance? The day that I get more than like the, when I start getting like hundreds of dollars in dividend payments, okay. then I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, this thing is working. Um, okay. That's, the, that's when I'm going to be like, oh yeah, this thing is definitely starting to starting to like, I'm starting to see the snowball effect taking place. I mean, yeah. um, sometimes I still see it when it's like, oh, I had a good day in the market today. Like I, my, my portfolio grew by $200, like, oh, that's good. But for me, it's like more than anything else, the dividend payments and actually the income coming back in from the companies paying me is the version of like, oh, my leg, like I'm finally seeing the results of like those, those gotcha. days of researching and all that stuff, so. Gotcha, so would you say you're a dividends uh, kind of like investor, like dividends focus? I, I would say I'm, I'm balanced of the two in the sense of like, I have both uh, I have both dividend paying companies and growth companies as well. Uh, okay. I'll say I'm more of a value investor is the way I'll put it. 
in the sense of like, I'm always looking for like good companies that, um, that, that will all, that will grow into something in the future. So for example, uh, one of the companies that I've been looking into is Lemonade, which is an insurance company. I haven't invested a whole lot into them yet, but I think they're going to revolutionize the way that we do insurance and the way that it okay. looks at insurance. Now that, that company, I don't expect them to pay a dividend for years to come. However, I'm also invested in a company like AT&T, which mm -hmm. is very much a legacy company, a big yeah. blue chip company that has been paying dividends for years and years and years. And then also I have companies like Microsoft and Apple, which are like in the in-between range of like, they pay a dividend, but they don't pay that much of a dividend. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's awesome. what I would say. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and the reason I asked that is because, so on my newsletter, so yeah. just rewinding a little bit, yeah. Um, I run this newsletter called Tulu's Notes. Yeah, I saw that. And, I, I read a couple oh, of them. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the few things that I talk about, especially for young investors, is yeah. about just like having time. You're young. Just having time just gives you a lot of leverage. Time in yes. itself is some kind of leverage just Definitely. because you get more cycles in the market. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that um, dividend investors kind of tell me is that you shouldn't take you shouldn't take any risk at all like if a company is not paying dividends like just ignore it ignore and that's i that's i mean so first of all if if um if you're not going to stay invested unless you're receiving dividends then ignore everything whatever Literally. makes you stay in the market that's what you should do uh but obviously there have been studies because of taxes and a bunch of stuff yeah um that just show that you know if the company reinvests the money instead of paying it out, it's actually like, it's actually it can better. be very good for the company as well. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think the main thing is there's like a balance of like, when I look at companies, for example, like I don't expect, I don't expect a company like Microsoft or Apple or Google or Amazon, or like a lot of these tech focused companies to pay out a large dividend because there's a whole lot more better that they can do by reinvesting that money back into the company. Microsoft and Apple at a point where like, okay, we can expect a dividend payment from them just because their return on investment is a lot more minuscule, but it doesn't mean that they should pay like a 5% dividend all of a sudden, like not, there's still way more, much more growth that I expect from them reinvesting some of those profits that they're making back into the company and developing new technologies. But for a company like Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, I don't really expect them to like tell me that they're reinvesting <laughs> something and they're trying to develop it's like what 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 new product are y'all coming out with you already do yeah. water you already do everything <laughs> so like your best bet is literally pay out your investors as well so i yeah. I, I think it's both ways either I, I think it's like either pay out to shareholders a dividend or i think even more important is for a lot of companies to start looking at rather than paying shareholders all this money is maybe we need to start paying our employees a lot more money so we can attract better employees and we can attract better uh talent to come to our companies because that's one thing that i started looking at is just so there's a lot of companies that pay out a lot in dividends and basically they only do it because they know shareholders will keep the ceo there and then the, okay. the people who are actually doing the work actually yeah. just kind of get bypassed and that i don't really like so a lot of companies that do that i just kind of bypass them that's okay so you bring up a good point have you heard of um 
ESG and uh, mm -hmm. social sort of like investing. Yeah. Would you say, so it's, it's really uh, picking up steam right now. Yep. And I think yep. it's, you know, millennials um, yep. <laughs> and the new generation of people just, they care about the planet. They care about social uh, impacts and things yep. like that. Would you say, um, would you say you're kind of like uh, an ESG investor? I wouldn't say I'm a pure ESG investor because okay. in my portfolio is very minimal amounts of ESG. Um, I mean, there's companies in there that focus on ESG, but I wouldn't say like it's a bulk of my portfolio. Gotcha. However, it is something that I'll say in the last couple of years, I've only been actively investing in the last year. And so okay. recently I've been more paying attention to it and I've been more looking at, okay, mm. what is, what is our, our planet going to look like in the next number of years? What is the social impact of a company? And then one of the things that I've started looking at is why are companies the way they are right now? So I was, I've been looking at, I have a friend who's like, who's an economist. And so I've been talking with her about, um, about Milton Friedman versus uh, Keynesian economics and learning like the current climate that we have for businesses was not always this way. It was like, it's been 40 years since we've been operating businesses the way that we've been operating businesses. Yeah. And before that, a lot of companies cared more about just more, more than just shareholder value where it all mm -hmm. right now, I mean, uh, Friedman came out and said that the most important thing to any, the most important thing to any company is shareholder value. Like as long, as long as they're making money for shareholders, that's all that matters. And before that it was like customers mattered a whole lot more. Uh, employees mattered a whole lot more the environment in which they're operating their business matters a whole lot more. And so that's one thing that I've been paying more attention to and just learning more about just the economics of like, what is, what is the best way to do business? And my money eventually as slowly, but surely it's moving more and more towards those ESG portfolios that are actually like doing more in their community communities and doing more for the environment and actually trying to like mitigate the risk of what they're trying of what they're doing. Awesome. Okay, so you just uh, you just set yourself up for, I guess, difficult <laughs> slash personal question. Would you? <laughs> sorry, so I'm giving you a little warning before before I hit you with it. Would you sacrifice? Um, would you sacrifice returns for the benefit of the planet? Now, let me let, let me add more color to that. In that, yeah. let's say there's a company who's just trying to save this planet. Yeah. And you're you like, okay, this is the future. I want to put all my money to it. Yeah but there are people around you that really don't care that much yeah and they're investing in the other things in the so other if stuff. most people care about one thing they drive up the prices of that's true the esg company yeah the non-esg company becomes the new value stock right because now it's cheap because yeah no one is buying it that's true so how do you balance you know returns versus your love for the versus planet? the so i my, the way i balance that is pretty straightforward in the sense of like to me Usually, I mean, by all the research, the good, the good thing is you don't have to play those cards because technically by all the research and by all accounts, companies that have focused on ESG in the long run have outperformed companies that haven't. And so the weird thing is like, overall, people always say like, oh, but you're losing returns and all that. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but the ESG companies are performing much higher than the typical companies. But I will be willing. I mean, there's a company that, um, uh, Lemonade, the, the insurance company I was talking about, the, one of the things that it does that really speaks to me is the way insurance currently operates is 
they charge you so much more and they keep all the extra profits. What Lemonade does is it charges you an amount of money. And if you go above your deductible and you don't need the extra amount of money in there, it donates that money to some kind of charity of your choice. Oh, so I for me, that. yeah. So for me, that oh. speaks a lot. So I was listening to the CEO talk about it and I was listening to how they operate and I was like, Oh, that's, that's for me. I'm, I'm willing for him not to pay me a dividend if he's going to pay it to a charity or he's going yeah. to pay it to something else. So I'm, I'm willing to take mitigate a some percentage of return. However, it's still a business. So you yeah. still have to bring some kind of profit in. You still have to operate at an optimal level. We're not going to give up being the best possible business that you can possibly get. Uh, you can possibly be just because we're chasing after some, some great good at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we still need you to make some profits. Now we do know that you walk in this line will bring profits for us though. So Okay, so that just that just brought up a good point about I guess capitalism as a yeah. whole, and there are people who uh, just believe that by just by doing what's best for the masses, yeah, and having the masses kind of decide what prices are and what should be valued and what mm -hmm. shouldn't be valued, that's yeah. basically what's best for humanity. Just make everything you know open markets, yeah, let everyone bid up or reduce prices as they wish. Um, Oh, can, can you still see me? My camera kind of froze. You're, yeah, side. you froze. You froze. Up. Okay, let me <laughs> let me fix that. So, so I, I'm assuming you're still uh, you're inside that boat. Just basically saying, if a company is bad, you're going to let the public decide if they should be valued. Or kind of like the um, cigarette companies, right? Yeah, really like they were the top companies at one point, mm -hmm. but time after time, people started sort of selling out of them when they yeah. realize that okay cancer and so on and so forth yeah which the weird thing about cigarette companies is, is till this day they're still some of the most altria is still like in the top 10 of valuable companies because they still pay out a good dividend so and people still smoke and then they've of course they went into jewel and all that stuff they found another way because as long as there's a way to make money people are going to find a way to make money um so for me I, I like capitalism because I think it's still the best system that we have when it comes to businesses, society, all that kind of stuff. However, I think our current form of capitalism is slightly broken. It's slightly messed up in the sense of it's no longer where the greater, the greater public gets to determine who gets to be the best company or not. What it's turned down to is a certain small class of people determine what uh, what company does well and what company doesn't do well as far as when it comes to investing because you and I we're retail investors so we only hold about 25 to 30 percent sway in the markets everything else is the huge hedge funds that's managing a large chunk of money and swinging the markets back and forth and back and forth and so when they're playing with a whole lot of money they get to make a lot more of the calls they make a lot more of the shots and call a lot more shots and determine like okay, this is where we want the market to go. This is where we want it to go. And it's, it leaves a whole lot of people out of it. The whole idea of like the stock market was like the middle guy or the small guy who gets to clean the floors every day at the office or the small guy who is the janitor or the small guy who is doing all the keyboard work or the small guy who is fixing all the light fixtures and all that stuff. They're doing a lot of the, the big important thing. And the genius of the stock market was he can invest his money and get some of those returns. But that's been messed up now because a lot of times he doesn't get the opportunity to be able to make 
a little bit of money to be able to invest it. He's just trying to survive because of how everything has been pushed to this idea of shareholder, 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 shareholder. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Nice. Nice. Those were, uh, that was a good segue. Yeah. All right. So now let's go um, sort of personal, but not like portfolio questions. Okay. Kind of. Um, what would you say your goal is for investing um, in the stock market? My goal for investing, one, just for like a personal, like in, I want to hit having over $100,000 invested by the time I'm 30. I'm currently 26. Um, have, have, you, have you done a portfolio reveal on your channel yet? No. I've only, yeah, okay, only I'm not going to ask you that. I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> I've only showed like my, my uh, brokerage accounts that I've shown on my channel. I've never done okay. like anything else. Um, okay, okay, okay. But the goal is like, at least at some point in the next four years, both of my brokerage, my brokerage account of where I'm just actively investing, get that to $100,000. Now, okay. the main reason I want to get it to $100,000 is so that I can get a dividend payment of like $4,000 every year. Okay. And really, I want to take that dividend payment, not reinvest it, but actually use it towards different charities that I love so much. And I already like donating to those charities, uh, but also like take that money and have it be something that's self-sufficient where I don't have to like think about, oh man, where am I going to find money to donate to this thing or donate to that thing where it's like, oh, I got the money for it. So it can just continue donating on its own. And hopefully one day is to create a scholarship fund out of that. And basically, okay. especially as a Nigerian, one of the things that I know a lot of students suffer with, especially international students is just like money for just school stuff. And so that's yeah. one passion that I have is to be able to create some kind of scholarship fund through my investments and through all those things to donate towards that. And then that's also, funny. I yeah, guess there's one good. other thing I'm, I'm, there's a lot of, I'm just unpacking a lot hey, of my hey, visions. We got of, time. We got time. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, with all the thing is um, in Nigeria, my mom has a school. And one of the things that I, I just, I've been helping her with it, but it's like to be able to help kids in that school to go to like higher and higher levels, which is something we've been working towards. And hopefully we can get it to the point where it's like self-sufficient, providing enough money for that and get it to that point. So that's this. Uh, that's a vision of like the long term of why I really started focusing a lot more on investing. This is so crazy because <laughs> my mom also has a school. Nice. Uh, she has two schools in Nigeria. Oh, dope. And then, you know, whenever I tell people that, people kind of go, eh. but it's like, I'm a product of that school, right? Yeah. Like when, when I tell them that, you're like, exactly. oh, it's actually like, it's, it's that serious, right? Yep. So um, what she, she really wants the kids over there to be able to, sort of spend some time here studying and then yeah. deciding whether they want to go back or not. Yep. And I feel like that's something I would want to help, I guess, yeah. sponsor. That'll be dope. Uh, that, that was just- Where's your mom's school? Really just a, just... It's, it's, it's also in Ibadan. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. She has like a, a primary and secondary. And oh, okay. Who don't like elementary. Elementary and, so and like primary. That. And uh, yeah. kind of high school, middle me, school, me, high me, school. Mid, middle, high, middle and school. high school. Yeah, yeah. so she has both. Um, and I, I went to the elementary and I also went to the high school before uh, coming over here and starting in the seventh grade. I was supposed to okay. start in the eighth grade, but because of my age, they pushed me back. Yo, you know, they, they did they the exact same thing to me. <laughs> they did the exact same thing. So I'm like, they were going to push my sister back two grades. Yeah. And my mom was like, what? No. Like, we, she legit thought 
she fought that the school and was like, I am not, no, you're not doing that to my daughter. Is it, isn't that crazy? Just oh, the man. system where like, oh, I, I, I guess back age. home. Yeah. Back home. It's like you take a test. Mm-hmm. If your kid passes that test, you you're skip good. that class yep. to the next and one. You just skip and you skip and you exactly. skip as many as you want. Ah, man. So there's something to be said for throwing a, a, a students in the deep end. It's like, you may not be fully at this level, but if you were able to pass this test, Let's just give it that level and you're going to grow into it. And that's just, I I think that's golden, man. That's the way, Mike. We're not going to get into the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we can set up another chat for that (laughs) one. um, So I also, uh, from one of your videos, I saw that you had some gaming ETFs or uh, just references to just video games in uh, some of your older videos. And I don't know if you see my background, but you can kind of see. Yeah, I saw. I was like, oh, okay, he got him. He got it in the background. I was looking at it in the background. I was like. Well, I'm going to ask him that at the end of this. So what what do you feel? There's money to be made in gaming. Let's, yeah. let's just be clear about that. Yeah. And this is something I've been looking at really closely also. Um, but other than like EA, Activision, and just those publishing companies, mm-hmm. I'm frankly not that interested in the publishing companies, right? Um, anyway, going back to just the gaming thing, where do you feel like, where, where do you see the most growth? You know, some people say esports. Some people are all about, uh, you know, um, the game developers or the publishers themselves. Where do you see the most growth? Whoever figures out virtual reality gaming the best, like figures it out properly, I think that's where the market is going. Um, I think right now we're hitting a we're hitting a threshold in gaming where like people are kind of like over or just like playing standard video games or like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I play Call of Duty every time. I play it every time. But whoever de- develops something, like, you know, we just had Facebook came out with their VR stuff with the yeah. Oculus Quest Quest 2. And that's like, even though they may not seem like they're entering the gaming space, they're he- entering into the gaming space heavy. Yeah. And so I think the companies that I'm looking at is, I'm looking less at actual video game com- companies and more at, tech companies that make software for video game companies. Okay. So I'm looking at Microsoft is a big one because they already have like an AR virtual reality type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I just mentioned Facebook. Apple is coming out with their Apple Glass sometime in the future. And so I think virtual reality is going to be, I think is the next big thing in gaming. But of course, we already have eStream or eGame, uh, X games or whatever you want to call it, where we play video games online and stream it and have all those competitions. That's going to continue growing. And we already have like NBA teams and NFL teams that are creating their own teams for gaming only. Yeah. So those kind of things, I think is a way that, that we're seeing in gaming, but I think in the future, in the long run, it's whoever can figure out uh, virtual reality because yeah. gaming is not going to own cloud. Cloud is going to be dominated by like Stadia and X cloud, which is Microsoft's version. And they already both have like cloud services. So basically the next step is who's going to figure out this virtual reality thing first. And whoever does is going to, is going to have a major market share and a major market monopoly for a while. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That was nice. Do you actually think Stadia has a chance? I heard everything I've been hearing is that it's dead. It's not good. Uh, Right now. (laughs) I think it, I think in the, it's, it's one of those things where Google Google is one of those companies that they will try stuff. Like they will put out stuff that's trash, but they don't care because what they want to do is test it 
And then at, even Android, before Android came out, they had another service and it was like not good at all. But Google is willing to just try and iterate in the public eye. And so Stadia mm -hmm. is out now and they'll keep making it better and better. Yeah. Where on the other hand, xCloud already had like the baseline knowledge of like how to run online streaming, how to run an online platform. So Xbox was ready for it. So if you, yeah. I've been watching reviews of X, Xbox xCloud and yeah. a lot of the reviews have been positive of like, yo, this is a lot better than we expected. Now, for a lot of the guys doing the reviews, they have crazy, amazing, good internet. And so like they didn't have any lag or anything like that, but yeah. they were still saying like it was a lot better than their experience with Stadia. But I think streaming, game streaming is the future just because we're moving into not owning stuff as a society. Like we don't, mm -hmm. we don't really own much of anything anymore, so. Nice, nice. I actually did an article, I don't know if you saw that one, a few months ago about how uh, Microsoft basically just won this uh, console wars that's been going on. <laughs> Um, you should check it out. Uh, anyone else? I'll, I'll have to check uh, it out because I don't know. Wait, which? Okay, what? My question is, which gaming war are you talking about? Are you talking about the gaming war of the uh, Series X, or are you talking about Series X versus PS Five, or PS Four versus Xbox? Okay, One? we're gonna take a quick detour here. Um, <laughs> so th th that's the that's the thing, right? Is that the uh, Microsoft's goal was not to sell a lot of Xbox consoles, and that was not their goal at all. And that's the reason why they're still releasing the Xbox without um, Halo, um, without Halo, because point. Halo got delayed after the graphics yeah. Um, yeah. problems that they had. Um, so their goal is not to sell a lot of consoles. Their goal now is to just get everyone signed up onto uh, um, the Xbox Game Pass service that they have. So let me see if I can pull up this article that that's I have. That's actually a really good point. Oh yeah, so I was just really, I was looking into it. I didn't like, so I just made some predictions and yeah. then I said, so basically I said every single game coming out of Xbox Game Studios would, would also be available on PC. Uh -huh. um, yep. Yep. Let's not forget, Microsoft also have their own gaming studios. So yep. they don't really have to. So think about Netflix, right? People keep saying Netflix for gaming. Netflix has to pay a lot of money to acquire their own content. Mm -hmm right they have billions and billions of dollars just for the shows that they're trying to make and they're pumping mm -hmm. out these shows really fast and yeah. that's why netflix has been uh, kind of successful till now mm -hmm. but xbox you think about them their studios are in-house they don't mm -hmm. have to pay as much money to be able to sort of pay another uh studio to be able to, studio make, to make it they have those in-house so they're about to yeah. keep it streamlined um basically i just made uh force predictions um I'm gonna let, I'm gonna keep it uh, short so anyone else who wants to uh, see those can check them out. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. But like, let's go back to the regular uh, topics. Um, <laughs> let's talk about risk for a little bit. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things I also write about on the newsletter is just about uh, the way you kind of perceive risk, right? And the biggest thing is if you're young, let's just say you're still in your 20s, your risk profile is completely different from someone in their 30s 40s or someone who's about to retire yeah. right so how do you so let me just ask let me lead with a question is the stock market risky as it is right now yes extremely extremely okay. risky. <laughs> i don't like like i will be honest <laughs> the stock market right now does not make sense it just 
valuations are at levels that they, we haven't seen since the dot-com boom. And nobody wants to have another dot-com boom because it's, that's when the market tanked. And so we're like looking at the stock market and we're like, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's very, it's very volatile right now. Okay. So I get, this is the next uh, question. What are you doing about it? Right. You, you see things and things are kind of scary right now. And so what are you doing about it in your portfolio? In my portfolio, I'm really just watching. Um, I'm dollar cost averaging into the market. So literally just put in a consistent amount of money just to keep growing in the market to go along with the market, but I'm not trying to make any big moves. Um, unless there is some kind of major correction or downturn, like we just had a couple of weeks ago where there was like a couple of stocks that were already pretty low. And then we had a correction in the market again. I was like, gonna go in and buy some more. Um, but apart from those that I already hold, mm -hmm. a lot of the valuations are kind of out of worldly. And so right now what I'm doing is watching a lot of is doing research, research, watch lists, and just watching, just seeing what is going on in the market. What's about to happen. Of course, the feds have already said that they're going to keep interest rates low. So bonds are useless. And so I'm just going to like, all right, cool. I'm just going to keep watching. I'm just going to let go along with the market. So a lot of my focus right now is ETFs, just ETF in my way in because they're a safer bet. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, I don't know which one is going to do well and which one is not going to do well, but I'm just going to be in the market anyway. So gotcha. that's what I've been doing to mitigate my risk because okay. otherwise it's just too much. <laughs> so when, when do you call it quits? So let's say we see uh, the market tank 10%, 40%, 80%. When do you feel like, when do you feel like enough is enough? if I stop believing in the American economy. Because um, even if it's tanks 80%, for example, let's say all of a sudden we see a massive 80% swing. My first reaction is 80% sale. That's my initial reaction. And then I'm gonna have to look at, okay, which companies are, because my the way I look at the stock market is simply like which companies are cheap and which companies are undervalued for where they are, even though they have a good business portfolio. So for example, yeah. let's say all of a sudden something happens with the government, the stock market crashes 80%. I still believe that Microsoft is still gonna be a good company. I still believe Apple is a good company. I still believe like, uh, I still believe in so many different companies because I'm like, their business is not necessarily destroyed or anything, like their business is still good. Mm -hmm. Unless something in their business itself messes up, then it would be like, okay, like I probably, like, for example, for this is a perfect example, okay. Boeing, yeah. Boeing, like Boeing was one of those companies that I thought, oh, yo, they're going to be great forever and ever. I used to talk about it with my brother. We used to talk about Boeing a lot, space travel, air travel, and then a, a plane crashed and then another plane crashed. <laughs> and then it was like, hold up a second something is not right. And then you see the report of like, they were buddy, buddy with the FAA and the FAA wasn't holding them up to standard, mm. up to snuff. And then it's like, okay, their business has changed. Like mm. the fundamental of their leadership and their business practices that has changed. Therefore, I don't think I trust Boeing as a company anymore to keep doing well. Like, yeah, they may come back and do really good things later on, 
But as of right now, just looking at the company, I'm just gonna like, I'm hands just off of Boeing, okay. I'm hands off of Boeing because I'm just because <laughs> I I can't trust them. Okay. I can't trust them anymore. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so you mentioned something about um, interest rates being at zero yeah. and you staying out of bonds. What role does fixed income, so bonds or maybe even cash, mm -hmm. play in your portfolio? Uh, right now, zero because I'm 26. <laughs> I'm 26 and I just, I'm just like, if anything happens, I can recover in the next 30 or so. Years. Thank you. And Thank so you. I literally, I'm risking it. I, I'm willing to take the risk, but that's just me, myself and I. Now I, I talk to my, my friend and my brother. My brother has the same risk portfolio because he doesn't care. But like, I talked to a friend of mine and he was like, I can't, I just, I need to hedge my bets. So that's, I need a little bit of hedge for my, and his, his play is, well, at least I'm still getting a consistent dividend payment, at least from the bonds that is out there. So yeah, I, I have bonds in good corporations and bonds in good government companies. So I'm going to just keep going. So for him, he needed that hedge for me. I need the higher returns. I don't, I don't want the bonds. I want the higher returns. That's smart. That's, that's the very first um, newsletter I actually wrote was basically just that, is that you're young, um, just take on the equity risk. If you know you don't need the money now, just yep. take on the equity risk. It's, yep. not, it's not worth it. You may, if you add bonds to it, your portfolio may be flatter and I mean, yeah. smoother, and you may not get a lot of, like, a lot of scares. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're giving up on... A you lot know, lot higher, sizable, sizable returns. Higher return. Um, yep. Look, yep. you're just you're on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been so at, at one point I used to be like, yo, I want because I would listen to Dave Ramsey when I first started. Yeah. Paying attention to personal finance and everything. Dave I have Ramsey. Opinions on like, him, by the way, but let's. let's uh, Dave Ramsey that. was like, I needed Dave. <laughs> Ram I'll say this: I needed Dave Ramsey to get out of debt. But after mm -hmm. you get out of debt, I don't. Dave Ramsey is not the best person for investing advice. Um, he has a really old way of investing. And at first I had exactly his method. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then when you start reading and learning and you're like, wait a minute, this, this ain't it. Like, hold up. Nah, like I need to make some changes. And so like, and, it, and it's, I think Dave Ramsey's idea of like everything is basically if you need to get out of debt, Dave Ramsey's your guy. Oh yeah. Anything oh, after yeah. that is like, maybe not. Maybe oh not. yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think I think debt is also a tool, and just mm -hmm. throwing it out is not necessarily, you know, the best thing. Yeah. Um, and I think some of my subscribers on my newsletter would know this because I always, I I, I don't shy away from debt, um, especially at, at bottom at the bottom in March. I looked left, I looked right, I saw what volatility was at. I saw that this was a life, once in a lifetime opportunity. That looks really good right now to just try <laughs> to capitalize on this, right? So, My, there, yeah. So I have a slight, um, I have a slight different take on that. Cause okay. I'm, I see debt, it's a tool, but it's like, it's a two-edged tool and I'm too scared of debt. I'm very afraid of debt. And so I try to like <laughs> avoid it as much as much as that's possible. perfect. That's perfect. No, that's the thing about uh, risk, risk profile and risk appetite, yeah. right? 
it's on a person by person basis. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly fine. And the most important thing is for you to know yourself. That's facts. Right. And the, the reason facts. I bring this up now is that I was browsing Reddit a couple of days ago and I think someone posted on Reddit is the truth. Our stocks are investing in our uh, Wall Street bets yeah. that they were going to take out credit card debt to invest now at the current birth. And I, so I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm not, an, I'm not a, a hypocrite. I did this back in March when things were, things were just destroyed, right? Literally destroyed, right? So back then it was like, I was either going to just get wiped out, but at the same time, I knew that um, expected returns would have been higher versus doing it now where expected returns are basically non-existent. And the only reason people just keep pushing it are, it's just because of greed, right? So. Honestly, anyway, awesome. Let's talk about your business, right? You you do a lot, man. Um, you're a YouTuber. You're you have a podcast. Um, after watching some of your videos and even seeing some of like your content on your podcast, I would add a motiv- motivational speaker to your resume. <laughs> so there's just there's a lot. Like Kelechi is just you're a complex person. So tell me. <laughs> Tell me why. Why do you do the things you do, man? Uh, to be, when I started, I'll, I'll put it this way. So when I was in college, um, one of the things, when we would have exams, like exam weeks and everything, yeah. I used to send these text messages to my friends of just like hyping them up to get ready for exams and hyping them up for like, let's, let's do this. Like, we're going to get this. Like, I used... One time, uh, it was during the time when 300 was still like really, really popular, the movie 300. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we are going to war and we will. And I was like, just <laughs> doing all this kind of stuff to hype them up. So I've always been the type of guy that's always like hyping stuff up, especially yeah. in my house where all jokesters would love to play around and I love to do it. But then I've always in the past, I did a, I used to do video game content, uh, just making YouTube videos on video gaming. And that opened up the world of being creative and video creation. As I used to tell people, video games is my canvas and me talking over it is the artwork. Um, And that was for a while I did that. And then I started working on, I didn't have that much time to play video games as much. Um, And I stopped doing that for a little bit. But now the reason I haven't started a podcast was something my sister said, because I posted this video on Instagram where I was just like, I just finished working out and I came out and I was like, yo, I was, I wasn't going to work out, but we all need to go to bed tired every single day. Like if you're tired, you need to finish the day tired every single day. You need to do something to make yourself tired. And she was like, yeah, that stuff is really, really like impactful. You should do a podcast. And she just said it kind of flippantly. And I was like, you know, that's cool. That's cool. I should do a podcast. And then I, I started the podcast. So really one of the reasons I started the podcast was because one, my sister, said the note and I thought it would be a pretty cool idea. And then secondly was I wanted to see, I wanted to inform them about personal finance because they were always calling me like for the same question all the time. And I was like, here's something that you can always go back to, to have to read and learn about all this kind of stuff. And then on top of it now, and then I just started having, hearing more stories of different friends that went through some of the stuff that I went through, but they never seemed to come out of it on the other Hmm. side. Um, because like, for example, I was in heavy debt when I got out of college, not from student loans, but from stupid decisions. And so one of the things I was just talking, like, I wanted people to see like, yo, you can get out of this stuff. And so that's why I started the podcast. 
and yeah so it's just that's what has been an evolution for me to get to this point of yeah. and then making content on youtube youtube has always been like something i enjoy doing i just love the creativity of making a video of just kind of taking the time i mean literally some weekends i stay up to like three o'clock in the morning just learning how to make one little little animation thing that literally stays on the screen for like less than three seconds but for me that That's makes great. my day when i watch the video because like oh my god look how beautiful that thing is and so that's that's, that's just and then of course i just love to talk as you've noticed at this point i love to talk so that's why i did podcasts i love to talk i love to talk about the stuff that i enjoy the stuff that i'm passionate about whether that be uh faith whether that be money whether that be finances soccer sports whatever um i love talking so and i that's love great, man. and i love to bring people up because i feel like there's a lot of negativity so if i can make one person inspired to do something better hey that's that's that has a cascading effect like um, that's awesome so i don't know if you'd be willing to share this but you mentioned that you were in a lot of debt what yep. were the crazy stupid things you did and most importantly how did you get yourself out of so this is the crazy thing like every time i go back to those years like it was right when i got out of college mm -hmm. and it's like what exactly did i spend you you, you literally like you, i went back <laughs> i every so often i like reflect back to those period of time because yeah. i was like i got out of college with zero debt thank god for scholarships thank god for my parents zero debt and then i started working and then somehow some way I ended up with like twenty thousand dollars in debt. Wow! And I was like, "What? What? What did I spend?" And it's like I couldn't. I can't tell you what exactly I spent money on. I traveled way too much with money that I didn't have, and that compound, uh, compound, compound interest is like the most beautiful thing when you're investing, and it's the worst thing when yes. you when you're in debt. It's just, yes. just, oh my gosh! But anyway. So like, literally I keep going back. It's like, what is it? I traveled a lot. I had a girlfriend at that time. So I would like fly her out to see me and me go see her. And then it's just like a lot of money spent that way, which was just a weight, like literally a waste of money because we, we broke up and it was just like, okay, all that is gone. I used to buy stuff that I literally didn't need. I'm a tech head. And so I'll just buy all kind of tech stuff. It's like, I'm finally working. So, you know, all the stuff that I've been seeing all these YouTubers have all this year, I need it. I can afford it. So I'll buy it. And I couldn't afford it, obviously, but I was buying all this stuff. So it's just like, wow. yo, I wasted so much money of like, of just doing just on just, random stuff. What, what, what was the turning point? Where, where did it click for you that I hated my job? Oh, okay. Um, so I started a, a job, the job that I started, I was working at a, at a fact, at a lumber mill. I was, okay. I started at a lumber mill and I was in the proceedings of like becoming a supervisor at the lumber mill, but I was just like, I don't like it. I didn't like the hours I worked. I worked days and nights. And I was just like, I don't like this very much. And the only thing that was keeping me going was I had all this debt that I was just like, yo, this thing is not going to, I have to pay this debt off. And so one day, one day I came home and I was talking to my sister. I was like really mad or really upset. I was like, I hate my job. I hate what's going on. Da, 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 da. And I had on the way home, I had heard the, uh, a podcast by these two guys, Jalen and Jacoby, which is like sports show. But one of the things that they said on there was appreciate your position while plotting your promotion. And then the other guy said something else. He said, 
while you are in the position that you are in right now, get rid of all the excess so that you can make the moves that you want to make. And so that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, first of all, why are you complaining about a job that you have? Second of all, if you really hate your job that much, what is holding you back? Get rid of all the extra stuff that's holding you back. And then I was like, all right, cool. So I just, and then right before I started working at my church that I grew up in, we had started the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, but I didn't go through it while I was at church, but I had the stuff. And so when I moved, that stuff just started collecting dust because I didn't pay attention to it. But then all of a sudden I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, my, my, my church gave me all this stuff that I need to use. And so I pulled all that stuff out. I started listening to Dave Ramsey's podcast. I started like just watching a bunch of Dave Ramsey stuff. I literally became inundated into Dave Ramsey everything because I was like, I'm getting out of this debt because I don't want to work here anymore. I need that room that if I need to quit, I'm quitting and I'm going to go do something else because I'm tired of doing this. So like for the next year and a half, I literally, I paid, paid the debt, debt off in like six months or something like that. And then after that, it was like, I saved up money. And then I had to sit down with my boss where he was like, oh, you're doing a great job. We want to offer you this, 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 and this. And I had, so I also had like this temporary transfer thing where I was working with them on, on basically like where I decided if I wanted to stay long-term or not, and yeah. where they were going to like pay me a bunch of money. And I was just like, nah. And he was like, <laughs> like, Mm-mm, that's not how this works. And he was like, if you don't get something, you're out of here in like two months. And so wow. for me, it was just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, because at this point I had paid off my debt. I had some yeah. money in the, in the account. So I was like, if I lose my job, I lose my job. It's like, I'll mm-hmm. find something else. And so that gave, and the thing about personal finance, it gives you confidence to do things that you otherwise think you can't do. And so for me, when that happened, it was just kind of like, I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was super scared because I was like, am I going to get another job? Am I going to get another job? But I just thank God it all worked out. It played itself out. I found a job in within like a week of like my final day. And then I walked into his office, put in my two week notice. And I was like, we out of here. But that's amazing. That's amazing. So I've noticed, I've noticed the trend in everything you've been saying. So first you were in debt. Yeah. You figured out you needed in Ramsey at yeah. that moment. So you followed what he, what he was teaching. Yeah. But after you got out of debt, you, you're smart and you figured out, I don't need the Ramsey anymore if I'm about to start investing now. Yeah. So how did you, why didn't you follow, you were already following the Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just continue following uh, and his investing advice? Why did you like drop the Ramsey and like go to, let's say Buffett or someone else? So for a while, when I, even after I got out of debt and like the, I was still like kind of in the Dave Ramsey mindset of things of just like, yeah, definitely agree with a lot of stuff. I'm still very much not a fan of debt. I still, if I could, I would buy a house outright, even though I know yeah. there's an opportunity cost of like, yo, why would I, that's not very wise, but I'm not a fan of debt. But like the reason I actually ended up like being like, all right, Dave Ramsey, appreciate you for what you're giving to society. I appreciate you for what you're doing. But I need, because you get to the point where it's just like, I take in a lot of information and I love information. And so the more you learn, the more you realize that, okay, this method works for this specific point in time and season, but it's not going to carry you all the way. Um, It's like if Apple, for example, like if you just think about Apple, if Apple didn't decide like, yo, we will literally 
kill our, they literally cannibalize their computer sales so that they can make the IMAX. And they literally keep, they keep doing that where they keep killing products to make another product better. But they don't care because they know that this product is much better. So we need to kill off this thing so we can keep growing. And it's like, you just have to, once you learn and you're learning, you're taking in more and more information, you figure out like, oh, Dave Ramsey is good for like this one thing. But learning from Warren Buffett, learning from Peter Lynch, learning from Charlie Munger, all of these other guys for what they do and what they specialize at. Yeah. Because Dave Ramsey, I, I would say he specializes on debt. Like literally he's a specialist when it comes to debt because that's what his life hinged on. For these other guys, they specialize in investing. And so that's, that's I, I guess the main reason I ended up switching was just literally, I just thought like, yo, this makes much more, this makes more sense. I was like, I'm not, I'm not so stoked. I'm not so like caught up in my own whatever of like, there's one way and only one way. It's like, nah, you take information as they come. And it's it's like a quote that I said, it says, as the, 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 uh, I think it was Winston Churchill who said it. They asked him a question. It was like, why do you always change your mind? He said, I change my mind as the information changes. What do you do good, sir? And it's like, literally, the information has changed. I'm allowed to change my mind. That's the smart thing to do. No smart person says everything is the same all the time. Yeah. So. so you're really open-minded. So you've been dropping a lot of quotes all throughout <laughs> the episode. So tell me what are your top, let's say three must read books for young investors. For young investors, rule number one by, I forget his name right now, but it's called rule one. And it's like a basic, basic guide to invest in. Basically, everything you need to know on like just how to get into the market, how to look for like opportunity cost of the market, all that kind of stuff. Um, Second book that I advise people to read, I haven't read it. I haven't finished reading it, I should say, is Peter Lynch's uh, Learn to Earn. I just like it because it's very simple. I like simple stuff. Anything that's simple, I'm going to get into it. And then the third one, which is one that you have to like, I literally spent this entire summer just reading this one, The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Mm-hmm. That book is hard. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. Because that one is like the next level book. Um, John Bogle's The Little Book About Investing. Okay. It's a very simplified way for anybody who's just starting out. And it basically, basically talks about how you can beat all the fund managers out there most of the time. Uh, no, actually all the time, consistently. And so I like that book, uh, the little book. And then a caveat, a third one would be that if once you start getting and you're like, okay, time for that next level, then you go for that Benjamin Graham. And you're going to have to take it one chapter at a time because that thing was written back in 1950 something. And the good thing is there is a, there's in, there are other chapters in there where it like makes stuff more reasonable and makes, makes it make more sense. So Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so we're, sure. we're wrapping up here. Cool. Um, what investor would you like to hear me interview and why? Investor. So, I mean, couple of, oh, you know what, hold on. Let me just look. Realistic. Through. Be realistic. With That's it. what I was about to say. Because like, <laughs> I was like, in my head, I was already like, oh, Andre Zik, Graham <laughs> Stephan. I was like, okay. And, oh, wait, there is. Now, if you can get him on your podcast, that would be pretty dope. Uh, Trevor Hassel. 
Okay. He's a 22-year-old um, guy that has done really well for himself in the in the stock market. I really like his content on YouTube as well. Okay. Uh, Tommy Bryson. Tommy Bryson. Okay. Tommy Bryson. He does really a lot of good stuff on on investing. Uh, somebody that I interviewed on my podcast. His name is um, Anthony Mark McLemore. He's a basketball player. Uh, he okay. was he played basketball for Auburn. Um, in college and then now he's a wealth manager so he and he makes really good stuff another guy steven ojo he's also a nigerian guy um awesome. i like his stuff so that's a few names that i'll just throw out there as some people that um i i appreciate their take on investing in those kind of things awesome well thanks kelly chiman uh for thanks sure. for being on the show it's been a uh, pleasure having you man all right. Thank you so much for having me. I, I've had a lot of fun just talking through all these different topics. As you guys know, I, I ramble a lot and talk a lot. So thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Um, for you guys listening, you can follow Kelechi on YouTube at Kelechi Iwaba. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to include the links uh, at the description of the video and also in the show notes for, uh, for the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hello, hope you enjoyed that episode. You can support the show by subscribing wherever you get your podcast and leaving a review. We're also on YouTube if you'd like to watch us smile and laugh as you listen. Also subscribe to my premium newsletter at tolusnotes.com. That's T-O-L-U-S-N-O-T-E-S.com for timeless lessons for young investors. See you next week.